Well, I see everybody left me a present here. You done did it. So as you're uh, opening your Bibles, getting those out, we're starting a new series. So you can turn to Matthew chapter 4, and we'll get there in a minute. I'm going to just kind of put this front and center and admire that for a little bit. Warm, warms my heart. Yes. Well, I have, to con- I have a confession to make. Um, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> just one. Somebody knows me pretty well. All week, I've kind of been thinking about this very moment. And um, I had to fight off temptation really hard. But you all went and undid this, so I think maybe I should open this up. Because my temptation was that I might preach in a cheese head. And, you know, at one point, I know that it was for a good cause, but you made me wear a Seahawk jersey, so my other temptation was I thought maybe I would preach in this today, but all kidding aside, I know, it's all in good fun, right? I'll pack it away because I don't want this to, like, be making you angry all morning, so I'll, I'll just put it right back here, but if you misbehave, it's coming out. <laughs> so... Temptation, we all face it, right? That's just part of life. If you've never been tempted, raise your hand. Okay, good. I don't have to call anybody a liar this morning either. That's good. So this week, just out of the spirit of fun, I put a little, uh, I put a post on my Facebook page. I had a picture of chips and salsa because that always seems to get our attention drawn to that. You'd, I saw a meme that said, you don't know how little self-control you have until they bring out the chips and salsa. It's like, just all go. So my question was, what are some of the silly little things that you're tempted by? Because we know that there's temptation can fall into a number of categories. Two of those are some of some things are just more trivial in nature, like at the end of the day, uh, they really don't matter all that much unless we are just really addicted to things. Uh, but there are some things of the larger variety that we are tempted by that can lead us down paths where we probably ought not go. But my question was, what are some of the temptations that you face that would fit more into the trivial category? And so here's some of your answers. Chocolate was by far the winner. So, and I counted chocolate, you know, some people said brownies, some people just said ch- chocolate, you know, just any, any kind of chocolate I lumped into a category, that won by far. Uh, YouTube dumpster diver videos. <laughs> Maybe we should pull out the big screen and... Um, uh, A lot of people said social media of different varieties, like Facebook. Um, Somebody said getting sucked into answering silly questions on Facebook. (laughs) Thank you, Rachel. I love you. (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) That one made me laugh the hardest. (laughs) Uh, Books, yes. Shoes, clearance signs, soda, taco trucks. But, uh, Jerry, I don't think that counts. I don't... (laughs) I think we have to put a, you know, I don't think taco trucks should, should fall into that. 
It's your safe place. <laughs> now we know. <laughs> uh, and ice cream was one of those. So I think, you know, there's probably something on the list for all of us. And if we begin to categorize those, we might see some trends there. But we all face temptation of some sort in our life. Sometimes it's big, sometimes it's little. Things that we can poke fun at. Um, but Jesus was also one who, in our Bibles, uh, we learn that he was tested, that he was tempted. And I want to read a story for you this morning of a time in the Gospel of Matthew between his baptism and when he actually started his ministry where he was led by the Spirit out into the wilderness where he was there for 40 days and nights, Matthew says, fasting and praying. And during that time, the devil came and started whispering in his ears. So if you would stand with me, I want to read this story for you. Matthew chapter 4, and we'll pick it up right at the beginning in verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. One of the biggest understatements in the scriptures, I think. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. The, the devil is quoting Psalm 91 there. The devil knows scripture uh, as well. But Jesus responds, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. It's the word of the Lord, and we say, thanks be to God. You can be seated. We approach this text every so often. It's in uh, several of the Gospels, and I think it's a story that is it's known to us. But if you are just sitting there for a moment and you are imagining what this story looks like in your mind, what, what does the picture look like? If you do a Google search and you look at images, oftentimes you will see a cartoon version of this episode. So you have Jesus, you have a, you know, a barren wilderness, lots of stones, and, and you have the devil looking like what a cartoon devil looks like, right? A red suit, long tail, horns, and a pitchfork. And so a lot of times you'll 
maybe imagine this story uh, in frames. It's kind of cartoon-like, and the devil says one thing in a thought bubble, and Jesus says something in another thought bubble to respond, and, and in the end, you kind of maybe have a, uh, a frame where there's like a whoosh of air, and the devil is just gone because he was fleeing. This isn't, this isn't a cartoon. This is, this is temptation. This is stuff that we wrestle with. I don't know about you, but when I wrestle with temptation, it's not often with somebody dressed up in a red suit and a pitchfork who is offering me things that I might be enticed to. James says that you know, we are kind of caught like uh, with a fish hook. We get a fish hook in our mouth and we are dragged away, not by a guy in a red suit, but by the own evil desires of our heart. And so when, when we imagine this, we, maybe we should move away from the cartoon version because if, if, if you ask me, if, if somebody came to me dressed in a red suit with horns and a long tail and a pitchfork, I'd probably laugh. It would be much easier to resist temptation if it came with a costumed character delivery method. Because you could identify temptation coming, and you could say, aha, I'm onto that game, you better bring your best shot because you have no chance of making me succumb to whatever it is. You see, if you ask me, I think if we were drawing a cartoon version of this, Jesus would be out in the wilderness alone. He wouldn't be alone. So we know he's indwelt with the Holy Spirit because in the story just previous to this we learned about his baptism where the Holy Spirit came down from heaven like a dove and filled him. He had the affirmation of, of God, this is my son whom I love. And he is following the Spirit. He's being led out into this wilderness, so he's not alone, but he would appear to be alone in the picture. And he wouldn't be alone because there's, there's the voices of temptation that are there. And isn't that oftentimes true of how temptation confronts us? It, it doesn't often come from other people. It comes from our innermost thoughts and desires. And we wrestle back and forth. And, and the disturbing thing sometimes is what really gets to us, when it really gets sticky and difficult, is when we're not sure if the thoughts in our head are the same ones that are in the devil's head or the ones that he wants us to have in our head. That's when it becomes challenging. That's, challenging. that's, that's when we really wrestle, have a difficult time with temptation. If it walk through that door back there, and as a costumed character, I think all of us would be able to say, yeah, nice try. That's not going to work. But that voice in your head that you're not sure if it's right or wrong, if it's leading you to good or evil, the one that you're just, I don't know, where's that coming from? That's, that's when it gets a little precarious for us. See, the, the devil comes to us and he disguises himself as an angel of light. 
He tries to mask all of the evil that he's trying to entice us to, but he makes it look like something that is appealing. He, he, he does such a good job of making everything look so right. And that's when it gets challenging. Matthew tells us this story about Jesus being tempted uh, by the devil, and, and Jesus is coming up out of the waters of baptism, you know, he's, he's still drying himself off, and, and there's this beautiful moment that he's just had, the affirmation of God, and, and now he's being led out into the wilderness, and at the core of the temptation that he's wrestling with is, am I going to choose my own path, or am I going to choose God's path? At the moment, when he's led by the Spirit, he is following along. He's being obedient to God. He's going where God would have him go, and he's entering into this time of preparation. He's following God, doing the right thing, and the devil comes along and catches him at a low moment. Matthew is careful to point out that he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And what does it say? He was hungry. And we chuckle at that because it's a huge understatement, but it's the truth. When you are low energy, when you are just worn out, when you are tired, when your guard is down just a little bit and you don't have much energy to muster, to, to fight or resist anything, you're, you're open for the devil's temptation. And he'll come in and he'll try and deceive you. Jesus is getting ready to launch into his ministry, and the devil does not want him to begin. If, there's, if, if I'm going to have any success against Jesus, I'm going to have to get him now before he even starts. Now, all of those temptations started with the devil saying, if, right? If you're the son of God, then. Well, another way that you could translate that word if is since. Since you're the son of God. Now, do you hear the difference in that? The first one, the devil is questioning. And you could say, well, the devil's not sure. He's heard rumor that maybe this is the son of God. If you're the son of God, I, you need to prove it. But since you're the son of God, the devil has already admitted that Jesus is who he claims to be. And he knows what's about to happen. He knows that his territory is about to get invaded and taken over, and he wants nothing to do with that. And so he approaches Jesus in the wilderness, and he says, hey, there might be another way for you to get all of those things that you've been thinking about, but I've got another path for you to consider. We learn later in the Bible, the author of Hebrews, uh, if you want to write it down or, or look it up, Hebrews 4.15, it talks about, uh, it tells us that Jesus was tempted in every way that, that we are. Well, I like that. Sometimes that we have a disconnect in hearing that because if we go back to this story, I mean, how many of you have... The first one, I think, maybe is the, the, the one that we might approach wrestling with, but uh, how many of you have ever been tempted to turn a stone into bread? No. How many of you have ever been take, tempted to take a free fall off the space needle without a parachute or anything? 
Nobody? Nobody? How many of you have ever been tempted to, you know, start a campaign to take over the world? Not in a video game. Real life. Nobody? Nobody. So we, we read those temptations and we think to ourselves, well, how is Jesus tempted in every way that we are? I, there's nothing on that list that I've ever been tempted with. So how, how, do we, how are we tempted in the same sorts of ways? You know, um, we aren't usually tempted to do things that are beyond our capacity. Usually the temptations that get us the most are the ones where we have the power and control to achieve. You know, I don't think, I, I don't think that I have the power to turn a, a stone into a loaf of bread. And so I'm not, even when I'm hungry and out in the wilderness, I'm, I'm not really tempted to try. I'm not really tempted to pick up a rock and try and take a bite out of it and say, okay, Lord, <laughs> I hope when I bite down, it's a loaf of bread. So we're tempted out of our strengths. We're, we're tempted out of things that we can achieve because we know then that it can happen. And so if you can imagine that, if, if Jesus, Son of God, is tempted by those sorts of things, he, he must have had some serious temptations because of, just think about the capacity and the strength and the power that, that he had. So we might not be tempted to the same sorts of things, but we're tempted in the same way. At the core of each of those temptation, temptations, there's a, there's a nature to the temptation. And we experience those same things. If we did a poll, even using my, my little Facebook poll, we, we were all tempted to different sorts of things. Because they all come from, what did James say? From what's inside, from the desires that each of us have. So if we look at Jesus' temptations, I just want to go through the three you know, rather quickly because the, the main thing that I want to share with you this morning is how Jesus confronted temptation, how he dealt with it. Because I, th I think it's a given. Nobody had raised their hand earlier when I said, have you never been tempted? Um, we were all tempted, and so we might as well look at maybe how Jesus dealt with it when, when he was tempted. So the, the three, he, he was tempted to turn stones to bread. Matthew says he was hungry, uh, 40 days out in the wilderness fasting. Hunger is natural, right? You get hungry? I get hungry. Is it okay to eat? Yes, it's okay to eat. It, human, the human body is designed to need calories to keep going. And so when we work, when we play, when we, when we just go about life, we are burning calories all the time, and it's natural and necessary for us to feed our bodies more calories to continue on. So there's nothing inherently wrong with Jesus being hungry and wanting to eat. Now, the clever thing that the devil did is he put it in there. He's like, let's, well, let's take that need for bread and let's put it over and above need for God. Jesus had been raised to trust and believe that God would care for all of his needs and his desires. And so what the devil was doing was, was taking and implanting a question. Hey, you know what? If you're the son of God, do you really think a good, good father would want you to go hungry like this? Certainly not. 
You could do something about that, you know? You could take matters into your own hands. If you don't have a dad that loves you like that, how about you just make it happen yourself? The devil's just really subtle. God's going to feed you, yes, but, you know, maybe he's too slow. Maybe he forgot. Maybe he doesn't care. Why don't you take matters into your own hands? Self-gratification. That's one where maybe we've struggled with, right? The nature of the temptation is to take care of our own needs on our own. Well, there's the second one, which is uh, to take a swan dive off of the Temple Mount. And the the Temple Mount, uh, they... They believe that the point that we're talking about here, if you look at a map of the, uh, of the temple, and you have north up here, they're, they, they're saying that the southeast corner of the Temple Mount, which rose 200 or so feet up above the Kidron Valley, was probably the point of the temple that, that Satan took Jesus to. And they're looking over the edge, and right down below, Almost immediately below it is what's called the Spring of Gihon, which was one of the main water sources for the people. And so at any given moment, there would be hundreds of people gathered below this point of the temple down here at the Spring of Gihon that would have provided a really good audience. They see Jesus just... And if they saw God rescue him... What a dazzling, sensational miracle that would be, right? I mean, how many wouldn't want to see that? That would be a good thing to see. Is it okay to ask for miracles on your behalf or the behalf of one of your friends? Absolutely. It's okay to ask God for things like that. But the devil, the devil is cleverly trying to deceive Jesus, trying to tempt him to take matters into his own hands. And Jesus says, yeah, I, I think Jesus could imagine, yeah, that would definitely give me an instant crowd, an instant audience, an instant people to lead and instruct. But that's not, that's not the path that God asked me to take. And I know my scripture, Mr. Devil. And it says, what? Don't put the Lord your God to the test. Don't force his hand. Don't say to God, you know what? It's nice that you say you love me and care for me, but uh, I need to manipulate that right now and I need you to prove it to me. You know, when we talk about these temptations and sort of the nature that goes underneath them, now we're beginning to see that Jesus was tempted in the very same ways that get to us. The third one, they're up on a mountain somewhere and we're told that the devil just kind of lays out and talks to him about all of the kingdoms and civilizations. And I think Jesus knows enough that they're war-infested and there's poverty all over the place, evil, cruel, wicked rulers, people following other gods. He can see all of the chaos of the world. We, all we have to do is click on the news, right? And we see sorts of the same things. And the devil says, hey, you know what? If you bow down and worship me, I will give you control of all of it. You can rule the world in whatever way you see fit. Now, 
In the coming weeks, we're going to talk about the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus kind of unpacks some of his theology, things that he cares about. Um, and so if, if we were to enter into a world that was perfectly run the way that the Sermon on the Mount sort of lays out for us, it, the world would be a better place. So the temptation is, hey, Jesus, you know all that, the, you know, the peace and the love and joy and equity and justice and all of those sorts of things, yeah, you could, you bow down to me, I'll give you control of that right now. You can go make the world a better place right now today. You see, the tempting thing is Jesus knows, according to scriptures, that the Messiah, God's Messiah, who would come and save the people, not just Israel, but the entire world, and bring salvation and the gift of the forgiveness to all mankind, he knows that that person is described as one who comes in humility, as a suffering servant. He might not know exactly what the cross looks like at the end, but he knows that he's headed there. And Jesus knows enough to say, you know what? That's not the path that my Father has laid out for me. And he tells the devil, just, just get away from me. I serve God alone. I worship God alone. So there's the nature of these temptations are things that I think that we can imagine ourselves in. Taking this last one, taking a shortcut to good things around in a different path than maybe the one that we sense God has for us. It's good to identify that Jesus was tempted. It helps me personally to know that he struggled in similar ways that, that I do and that, that he, he wrestled with things that we wrestle with. I mean, it would be really difficult to put a whole lot of faith in a savior who every time it got really difficult, he just pulled like a Jesus card out and said, you know, I don't need to deal with this right now. Hello, I'm, I'm, I'm God. And sidestep the stuff that we struggle with. I can, I can invest my life in a Savior who knows exactly what I struggle with and came out the other side perfectly. Because I can, I can look at how he did that. I can take encouragement that a perfect human is possible to do that. You know, typically when we struggle with with sin and failure and things like that, the first excuse is, well, I'm only human. No, sin makes you less human. We were made perfectly in the beginning, and sin came in and wrecked it. And Jesus came to show us a way that it is possible. I can trust my life with that Savior who knows what I wrestle with. So what I really want to talk about is take a look at how Jesus confronted the devil. And so there's three things, and you can write these down. Three things to do to engage when you're tempted. One, act swiftly. Two, confess your faith. 
And three, stick to the script. So the first thing is act swiftly. Did you notice how Jesus handled the temptations? I was thinking about how I often deal with temptation and, well, I found a video that sort of illustrates it. So I want you to watch, it's just a couple minutes, but this is a, these are kids trying to um, re- uh, resist a marshmallow. So maybe this is how you deal with temptation. Go ahead. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you another one, so then you'll have to. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? All right. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> How'd you do? Did you do good? You did? You wanted to eat it, didn't you? Yeah. So I'll tell you to give me another one? Okay, now you can have both. (laughs) (laughs) It's just gone. (laughs) Do you see yourself in any of those kids in dealing with temptation? 
Yeah. That little boy, man, he had it right on. How do you deal with temptation? Well, we get a picture of how Jesus deals with it. He deals with it, like, immediately. And I think we visit temptation. Like, it comes our way, and then we spend a whole lot of time thinking about it. Manipulate it over and over in our mind, fantasize about it a little bit, imagine what it would taste like or feel like or what the experience would be. And we invest a lot, we waste a lot of time with temptation, don't we? We, maybe if it's, you know, we mentioned some shopping on our little Facebook poll and isn't that how it works? It, it's like this with me, I'll confess that. If there's something that I'm interested in, I love to visit it at the store. And I can imagine it. It's usually at REI. And um, you just go and, well, maybe it's on the clearance rack, you know. Has it moved from the regular rack over to the clearance rack yet? Sometimes it's the little things. Sometimes it's bigger stuff that we struggle with. But I think the tendency is that we let whatever it is that's tempting us, we let it captivate and take captive our minds and our thoughts. And it's all that we end up thinking about sometimes. And they're just things maybe designed to lead us astray and, hmm, you get dangerously close to it. We assume that we're strong enough, right? Like, yeah, I'm strong enough, I, I, I can handle this, but it's just so nice to think about it. But what, over time, what we're doing is we're, we're sort of desensitizing ourself to whatever the temptation is. So it becomes easier and easier and easier to succumb the longer that we think about it. And Jesus, he gives us the model. He says, nope, I'm going to answer the temptation immediately and I'm going to dispatch the devil and just get it out of my mind. When the devil came to Jesus and said, hey, you're hungry, right? And Jesus is like, yeah, I've been out here. I haven't eaten 40 days. I'm famished. Hey, why don't you turn that stone into bread? Jesus did not go over and pick up the stone and say, Ooh, this would make a really good marble rye. He didn't look over there and say, oh, baguette. This one over here, oh, slice of cinnamon raisin toast. I can just imagine the butter dripping off of that thing. He didn't do that, did he? He didn't, when he was at the pinnacle of the temple and the crowd is gathered below and, and the devil tempts him to, to jump off and, hey, God will save you because it's in the scriptures. Jesus didn't think, wow, I could do a triple flip and maybe, you know, and he wasn't thinking about that. When, when he had the, the opportunity to take over all of the kingdoms of the world, he didn't say, you know what, I could get this leader out of place and this one, and you know what I could do with that over here? He didn't do any of that. He acted swiftly. He, he, he didn't let it have any place in his mind for very long. He answered the devil quickly. See, we give, we give temptation free rent in our mind because we think that we're strong enough to deal with it. We, we, we're like temptation pyromaniacs. We like playing with the fire. 
Because it, oh, it's a little bit exciting to think about. You know, we did a series several years ago, and you can sort of categorize the ways that we uh, are tempted by things. And you could just take a look at, at um, historically, the church has talked about the seven deadly sins. And so you can sort of think through, okay, how do I play with fire? What are the things that just really get inside us that, that would take us down a path towards sin and death? And so the seven deadlies, there's, there's greed. So we get all that material stuff in that category, things that maybe we can't afford at the moment. And we know that, but oh, it would be so nice to have. It would make my life so much easier. And there's gluttony and... You know, a little bit of food is good, but man, I can, ooh, I can get out of control pretty quickly. Other substances that we find ourselves addicted to, lust, the sex industry, pornography, when you're in that quiet room and it's dark and it's just one click away. I mean, what, what do you do? Envy, anger, do you meet, are you tempted to meet anger? with anger, sloth, or you could say apathy, spiritual laziness, or there's times you're like, ah, I just don't feel like, I just don't feel like checking in for life today. You know, I got so much to do, I don't have time that I can dedicate to spend with God and be in his word. And there's pride. We're tempted to pride a lot, arrogance, self-righteousness, thinking that we're right and, you know, just running our own narrative. We're the hero of all of our own stories and, and all that sort of thing. Those, there's so many different ways that we can be tempted by the devil and he makes it look so good, but it's carrying us far, far away from God. So when temptation like these things come your way, act swiftly. Make up your mind that when it comes your way, that you're going to act swiftly. And the second thing that you do is confess your faith. Confess your faith. In Ephesians 6, Paul talks about uh, the armor of God. And there's a couple pieces of the armor that I'm uh, intrigued um, when we're talking about temptation. There's one that Paul describes as the shield of faith. And he says that it extinguishes all the flaming arrows of the devil. Take up your shield of faith. Confess your faith. See, when Jesus was in the wilderness and he was at a time when he was at a low point physically and he's exhausted and he's tempted, he, he confesses his faith in God. He talks about who he knows loves him, who he believes in, who he places his trust in. See, sometimes when, you know, when I say confess your faith, we get stuck on the word confess. And we don't really like the word confess because of all the things we think it means. You know, one definition of confess is, oh, I've got to bear my soul to everybody, and, and I've got to share my sin and my failures, and uh, it makes me a little nervous, and our anxiety goes up a little bit, because we just don't like talking about that sort of stuff. But there's another kind of confess, and that is one where you make a statement of purpose or a statement of belief. And so when Jesus is in the wilderness and he's being tempted, he makes, a, he makes a wilderness confession that he believes and he places his trust 100% in God. So he acts swiftly when temptation comes his way, and how he acts swiftly is he confesses who he believes in and who he trusts in. 
So when the devil whispers in his ear that he could take a shortcut to glory, that he could take control of his own destiny, Jesus shut him down by saying, no, that's not the path God has for me. And I trust that one. And I will stick by it. Even though I may not know exactly what the outcome or how I'm going to get there, I trust God to lead me there. Act swiftly. Confess your faith. The third thing would be to stick to the script. See, Paul also talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's a weapon, something where you can play offense. It's a weapon that you can use to send the devil away, to defeat him. Notice, though, that the word is not used as a weapon against other people. The word is used as a weapon against who? The devil, the one who's bringing temptation your way. So if you're going to swing the Bible like a sword, don't swing it at another person, swing it at the devil. Is that okay? Look at how Jesus used scripture here. Three times. The devil says, turn these stones to bread. Jesus says, nope. I got some Deuteronomy for you. Man does not live by bread alone. I trust God. I trust his goodness to satisfy all my needs in his timing and in his way, period. Two, jump off this building. You prove God will save you. Even the devil quoted scripture there to make you think that, hey, this is biblical. You can do this because it's in the Bible. And Jesus is like, well... There's more of the Bible than you're acknowledging at this moment. And so I'm going to have to turn you down, Mr. Devil, because it says in Deuteronomy again, don't put God to the test. I trust God. I'm secure in our relationship. I don't need to worry about this. I trust that if God says he loves me, he loves me. If he will care for me, he will care for me. I don't, I don't need to manipulate or test him. Number three, I'll give you control of all the kingdoms of the world if you worship me. Jesus says, nope, wrong answer. I got some more Deuteronomy for you again. Worship the Lord and serve him only. I will give my only allegiance and worship to God. And so when Jesus quoted scripture to the devil, what did he do? He fled. Now, notice, though, after the first time, he didn't flee immediately. He's a good salesperson. He's persistent. He's a go-getter. And so, you know, the first he heard in Jesus' first answer, well, not yet. So he came back at him again and again. But eventually, when Jesus, quoting Scripture, the devil got the hint that this one is difficult. This one is secure in his relationship. This one is strong. This one knows how to defeat me, and so I'm going to go away for a while. But we know the devil came back and confronted Jesus again and again. One time later in the book of Matthew, I think it's about chapter 16, and it came in the form of one of Jesus' very best friends, Peter, who was trying to look out for him. The devil came to him, to, to Jesus through his best friend who's trying to protect him from the way to the cross. And, and Peter says, heaven forbid, Lord, you do not have to suffer and die like you're talking about. And what did, Pete, what did Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. 
And when Jesus was hanging up on that cross and the the priests and the people were all gathered, what did they tempt Jesus to do? Hey, if you're the son of God, you can come down off of that cross. You can have angels come and rescue you, right? You don't have to do this. They were mocking him. That's the devil just trying to get at him. But Jesus quotes the word and he flees. The devil has nothing to refute the word of God. And what Jesus did, you can do too. Because we have, we have the written word of God. And we're commanded to get that bone marrow deep in our bodies. Deep down within our souls that it would be the foundation of our life. So when you are worn down, exhausted, when people have been pushing your buttons and found buttons that you didn't even know that you had, when you've had a long day and you have to drive by that bar on the way home from work, when your coworker is just nipping at you all day long, when you have a fight with your spouse or somebody at school or problems with your teacher or you're doing your taxes about this time of the year and it would be so easy to cheat, or I could just keep going with a long list of things where we get tempted. If we don't have the word of God deep down inside us, sometimes it's really hard to resist the devil because he just makes it look so good. But what I would say is, let's look at how Jesus acted. He he responded immediately. He acted swiftly. He confessed his faith. Speak that out loud. Tell it to somebody. Share your faith with somebody. Go back to the word and respond to the devil by sticking to the script. And to stick to the script, you got to spend time in the word. You got to read it. You got to listen to it. You got to study it. It doesn't just automatically happen. I mean, as, I, as your pastor, I, one of my deepest desires is that you would fall in love with this book. And I know there's some tough stuff in it. And if you struggle with that, I would love to sit down and talk to you about it. Because that's, it's like the only offensive weapon that we have for lots of things. And to dispatch the devil in a hurry, you need to have the word of God deep down in your memory bank and in your life so that when you are up against it and you don't know where your foundation is, you find that your foundation is on the word of God. And you can respond accordingly like that. Why why are you here this morning? Think, think about that for a second. I have one story and then, and then we'll close. There's probably a number of reasons. Not just the, hey, well, I got out of bed and my alarm clock went off on time and it seemed like a good day to be there. You could pick on Pastor Dave, like being Hawks Sunday, you know, whatever it is. But there's a series of choices in our life that have landed us here. I want to tell you about, and I've, I've told you this story or parts of this story before. 
But what I want to do is just try and give you an illustration of how the Word of God gets into your life and becomes a foundational and something that can be very formative in your life. That helps you make decisions that are life-altering that 10 years from now, you might look back on and say, man, I remembered when I was tempted by something and I was able to respond out of Scripture and I had something in the moment that got me through and if I hadn't responded like that, I wouldn't be here today. So I have two pictures. The first one, um, it's, just, it's, it's just an intersection. The red light. Curtis and Tori will recognize this. Uh, it's in Bourbonnais, Illinois. The road that you're facing down is Armor Road. The crossroad there at the light is Cardinal. The light's red. I wasn't always a pastor, you know that. I was in the business world for a long time. Uh, at the time of this picture, well, not at the time of this picture it was taken. This was taken in September. Um, but there was a moment in 2004 where I was sitting at that intersection, and I had a choice, I had a choice to make. Uh, I had been called into the ministry in my teens, and there was never really a connection point uh, until our, our church in Illinois started building another campus, and there were all sorts of questions that I had, and through that whole process, I ended up um, accepting a job to join that church as the executive pastor. The problem was, when I did that, I owned a company. Uh, we had a contract with Xerox. And there were a series of roadblocks that I was facing in some, I was trying to develop my territory into other areas that we weren't part of our contract, and there was roadblocks all of the time. Several years, I pressed for more territory in a very lucrative part of the western suburbs of Chicago, and every single time, Xerox said no. Well, I landed uh, and ended up accepting this call to the church, and so I had to resign and sell out of my company. When I made the phone call to do that, my Xerox boss said, um, you don't want to do that. I said, well, I don't know if you have much to say about that. Sort of a done deal. He said, well, I'm not going to let you say no. I'll call you back in the morning. I'm like, well, I don't know if that's going to really do any good. And he said, just, just I'll call you in the morning. So we hung up the phone, and I'm scratching my head. I'm like, well, that didn't go how I thought it would go. I was just trying to quit. I get the phone call the next morning, and he says, it's the first thing he says, hey, uh, do you have your fax machine on? Yeah, I'm sitting right by it. Okay, I'm faxing something over to you. All you need to do is sign it and send it back to me. I'm like, what are you sending me? He's like, well, you know all that territory that you've been trying to get? Yeah. Well, I'm sending you over the contract for all of it. I've been trying for three years to get this. How, does, how did you just manage? You've, been, you've resisted and said no every single time, and it wasn't even close. He's like, well, I pulled some strings. I got it done. Just sign it. Forget about that other thing you had going on. And I'm like, I can't. 
He's like, well, you got a couple days to decide. So I hung up, I don't know what to do. Respond to the call of God on the one hand that he had, he had called me into ministry so many years ago and now it seemed like there was the intersection of my faith, of my training, of my experience and, and a need in the ministry of our local congregation that just seemed like it all worked out. And now I get this phone call that says, hey, all of that territory, all of that, all those kingdoms out there, all those things that you've been trying to work for and achieve and all that money that you can make, all of, you know, yada, 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 all those things, all those good things. You can have them. All you got to do is sign your name. What do you do? That's temptation. I talked to my pastor and he pointed me, excuse me, to this text. Matthew chapter 4. And he said, what's happening in the story? I'm like, well, I understand what's happening in the story. He said, no, not what's happening when. I said, well, I had to think about it because I wasn't, you know, like, really bright at the moment. And like, Jeff, just help me out. <laughs> Jesus hadn't done any ministry yet. devil came and tempted him to go his own way. All those things that he would accomplish in his ministry, Jesus would feed people, he would heal people, he would work miracles of all sorts, and in the end, we know that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So all of the control that the devil promised him is already Jesus's. And the devil's just trying to get him to go his own route. No, I don't want you to do that. You can take it into your own hands. It's the timing. The devil's trying to get to him before he started any of that. So that this text became formative in my own life because it was that aha, oh, it's a temptation. I can resist that. That was, that was the help of, oh, this is a guy dressed in a red suit trying to trick me and make it look so good. So this picture is here because I still wasn't convinced. At the end of the day, I'll be honest, it was a 50.1 to 49.9% decision. And there was a morning that I woke up and I had two jobs that I was supposed to report to on that day. I could approach this intersection and if you go straight, this is Armour Road, if you go straight through, you go up and over the interstate, and you come down, and you can get to the, to the church really quickly. But this road that's going this direction in the photograph is cardinal, and it would take you out to a series of country roads, and it would lead me to my office. And I joke with myself, because I wouldn't boil the decision down to a stoplight, but in my mind, as I was pulling out of my driveway, I said to myself, if the light is red at Cardinal and Armor, I'm going to take a right. Or, in the second picture, if it is green, I'm going to proceed through and go to the church. What color do you think the light was? You got it. <laughs> it was green, but I had, that was not my decision point. <laughs> it's a good story. <laughs> 
There's some times in your life where you get to those points and you just don't know and you, and you, you think about it and you wrestle it over and you give it a lot of space in your mind and you waste so much time and you fantasize about it and you think of all the good that you can do, but have you really confronted it as maybe a temptation, called it out for what it is? So when those things happen and you discover it as a temptation, act swiftly. Confess what you believe in, your faith in God. And stick to the script. Go back to the foundation that you know, the stories that become formative in your life. Because years later, you can look back at those moments and say, man, I responded rightly and was able to resist that. You can do it. And in all of that, just look around the room It wasn't something that I deciphered on my own. I needed the wisdom of friends, family. Wise counsel comes from being able to share these sorts of things with one another. And that's an important part of the process as well. So when you're tempted to go your own way and rather than following God, Hopefully those few things might help you out. But I would have you jot down 1 Corinthians 10, 13. You can look it up. It's a verse that just kind of tells us that, you know what, God is, it reminds you that God is with you all along. All along. He's always there. And he's not going to let you get to the point where the temptation will take you down provided you're leaning into him. Lean into God, and he will always be there to hold you up. The people of God said, amen, amen.